Well, good morning, everybody. We're loving God, loving people, and changing the world via Facebook and live stream this morning. North River is now also a stream, a stream, but definitely not a trickle, because it's a good morning here to be inside. Uh, you may be around your kitchen table or in your living room or in your bedroom, but we are together. We are one. We are Jesus' church, and at this moment, he is at this moment doing more than we can dare to ask or imagine. My name is Tom Brown, one of the ministers here, and I'm so proud and inspired to be a part of this North River family of believers. I've been uh, joining you on Zoom and Google Meet and Facebook and FaceTime and House Party, and it's just amazing to see all the ways that we're connecting, we're loving, and we're serving each other. I've even slipped in kind of unnoticed to those Saturday morning coffee chats that Kelly and Lynn have put together, and I've just been inspired all the way along. Keep, uh, let's keep sending those pictures to each other. Keep inviting people to join us in our spiritual community and to know we're going to overcome fear with faith because Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm also amazed. I'm, I, I, I'm amazed in incredible ways at how our North River family is serving and giving, you know, to other, other people locally and also uh, actually globally all around the world. I hope you feel God's presence. He is among us. He's with us. And he's doing something that is, I think, going to be profound when, uh, when everything is done with this lockdown. I want to brag on you for a minute because I get the opportunity to hear a lot of stories throughout the week. And uh, for those of you who gave half of your bananas this week in the parking lot of Publix just to, 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 to spread some love and some encouragement, or those of you who actually bought groceries for friends or neighbors that, that couldn't get out, for the dozens of you that have given gift cards and you've made masks. And I heard a rumor that over in Marietta Square, the shepherds have been making masks like crazy to be able to give to our North River healthcare providers that are out on the front line in harm's way. And for all of you that have written cards to these frontliners, for even our, one of our young couples uh, in, in, in town that are healthcare providers, they got COVID-19, they recovered and with their suspected immunity offered themselves to go do, run errands and get groceries and to help out other people. What a great, inspiring, you know, group of people. Uh, uh, many of you have asked how you can help. You've been involved in taking care of each other, uh, paying people's rent, helping fix their cars and their air conditioning. And our Benevolence Fund, our Compassion Fund, is also helping and serving others and ready to help you uh, when you have needs. Globally, it's also, we're making an impact. The, uh, there's a uh, in Ghana, something called the Joseph Project, where they're stockpiling large amounts of food uh, while they're in an economic lockdown and being able to help uh, take care of the vulnerable families there. A lot of you know that just a, a couple of weeks ago, from our Benevolent Fund, our Compassion Fund, we uh, gave a sum of money to the church in La Paz, Bolivia, to be able to help uh, many vulnerable families there that were also on lockdown but didn't have the economic uh, ability to get groceries and take care of basic needs. Their minister sent us a video and wanted to say thank you to North River. So let's take a look at it right now. Hello, dear brothers and sisters of the North River Church. We're the Pinetas and we send you greetings from La Paz, Bolivia. We want to send you a big Bolivian hug and tell you how grateful we are for the support we're receiving from you to help the most vulnerable families of the church and the missions here. 
We have more than 30 families with very limited resources at this point who live day to day, are not able to provide health or food benefits to their family right now. They are certainly feeling the love of Jesus through your kind generosity. Thank you for your support since your generosity is multiplied in thanksgiving to God for his glory. Definitely, we're not feeling alone. You're a light in the darkness for all the disciples in Bolivia. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Bye-bye. Bye. Here you can take a look at uh, gathering up the groceries to take care of these, these families. They were distributed, you know, over the last, at last week. And these families, actually their neighbors came up to them and they said, how did you get all this food? And they told the story of how the churches back here in the United States have given in a great and a generous way. Very, very inspiring. You know, I can't wait till we all get back together and we can worship together again. Even if we keep a little extra distance in there, it's going to be tremendous to be back together. A couple of times this week, I was really missing everybody. And so what I decided to do was to, to come to the church campus and I walked around all the buildings and I prayed and then I came into this auditorium. It's empty now, but I, I, I walked up and down each one of the aisles and across many of the rows because I know where you sit, you know, and I was going through praying for each of you and your families and noticing where you were and it just helped me feel tight. It helped me feel connected to you, even though we're definitely connecting with each other, you know, online. Until then, until we can come back, you know, together, I, I can't wait. When we do it, we got to have AP sing a rousing song of power, and we can all just encourage each other in song while we're all together. Until then, we need to wait and pray and learn the lockdown lessons that God is teaching us to clear our vision and to open up our eyes. You know, they say in India, that people are seeing mountains they've never seen before as things have cleared up. Some say the earth itself is, is relaxing and, and healing itself a little bit. Families are coming together. Husbands and wives are having dinner together every night or taking meaningful long walks, you know, together. Quiet times are getting longer. More, more families coming together to pray and to spend time together and to learn from this solitude and learn to really connect with God in a new, a new and a better way. We do want this coronavirus to go away, but we don't want the lessons that we're learning to go away. They're important ones to, to remember. We started a prayer chain this morning at 519 in the morning. Each spring, we've had a two-week prayer chain over the years at North River. We decided to do it differently. We're calling it the P19 prayer chain to defeat COVID-19. You don't need to sign up. It's actually very simple. At 19 minutes after every hour in a 24-hour period, wherever you are, you can choose at 19 minutes after that hour to stop and say a brief prayer. Perhaps it'll be one you'll, you'll say a longer prayer or perhaps with a friend. But that, that, at that point, we're all going to be united. Sometimes there'll be a handful of us. Sometimes there'll be dozens. Sometimes there'll be hundreds of us at 19 minutes past a certain hour. And we're praying some very specific things that we've put on our website and we've sent to you. And we'll, we'll be united in prayer on this. We're covering all of the hours back uh, at, at 319 every morning. Tom and, and uh, Courtney McGurk in Paris are going to be praying on the prayer chain. And at 419, 
uh, every day. Sean Wooten from the Ukraine is going to be praying on the prayer chain. And then uh, our former members that are now in, on the West Coast, uh, they're going to be taking some of those early morning hours, and we're going to be doing this, you know, together. I believe that we can beat this plague by prayer. I want you to believe it too. Let's commit North River to our P19 prayer chain to defeat COVID-19. Uh, God is able to do immeasurably more. We, uh, we're continuing a theme, fix our eyes on, on Jesus. We've been talking about it all year, and we're going into the next several weeks speaking about the Psalms and how Jesus connected with them so frequently, and really men and women of faith throughout the years have been able to, uh, to do this. You know, we, uh, we do that and we celebrate it every Sunday. We celebrate the empty tomb. We celebrate communion. We remember there. We do it because Jesus is alive. We do it because he's Lord. Now, Satan thinks he's really causing harm to the church, and he's closing a lot of churches, you know, everywhere. And yet God, uh, yet God says to him, on the contrary, I just opened up a church in every home. And that's exactly what's happening all around the world and, of course, here in Atlanta and in our community. We're just connecting in great ways. Family groups are connecting on Zoom, and, uh, and special events are happening. Our small group leaders are saying they're pretty much having a 100% attendance, you know, at everything because life has slowed down and we're able to connect, you know, with, uh, you know, with each other. If you haven't had a chance to do that uh, yet, uh, just uh, contact us at connect at nrcoc.com. We'll help you find a small group and help you be connected. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're a God of life, and we are worshiping you this morning as Jesus' church. A lighthouse, an aircraft carrier, a spiritual hospital, a body of believers. Oh, Lord, end this pandemic. Flatten the curve. Protect your people. Inspire us to serve and help us as we study the Psalms these next few weeks to keep it real. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're looking at Psalm 22, and I just titled it, Jesus in the Psalms, Keeping It Real. You know, that's what the Psalms teaches us to do, to be real with God whatever we're going through. Kids are a little better at that than adults. There's that story of uh, a family watching Netflix, and the five-year-old little boy, you know, looks to his mom and dad and says, you know, mom and dad, why, why do bad guys always want to, to take charge? And the mother said to the little boy, well, it's because they want to be in control and make all the rules. The little boy thought for a minute, he said, why don't they just become moms? And then, there are the, and there's always the prayers, real prayers that kids pray, like the little, uh, little girl who said, Dear God, thank you for my new baby brother, but what I prayed for was for a puppy. Kids are real. We need to keep it real in our relationship with God as well. Talking about the Psalms, how many of you this month have turned to the Psalms for encouragement and for strength even be able to connect with some of the frustration that's there from time to time. We go to the Psalms when we're going through stuff, and so did Jesus. The Psalms were a central part of Jesus's life as a little boy, as a middle schooler, as a teen, as, as probably a young single man taking care of his single mom at that point, probably. He, uh, it was his songbook. 
He, he sang it in church along with everybody else. It, it formed a lot of his prayers and his quiet times. You know, when he was down and when he was frustrated, he could connect with the Psalms. And, and when he got really excited, maybe he had a game of slingshot and he nailed a tree out in the middle of the, of the field. He goes, a psalm of praise just comes out, you know, of his heart. When Jesus was tempted, no doubt he went to the Scriptures and the Psalms. His daily life included that. Probably he'd memorized many, if not all, of the Psalms by the time he was 12. And, and for all you kids that are still listening in, probably nothing better that you could do for the, the last few minutes of this sermon is, is get a Bible or a device, open up to Psalm 23, and spend some time reflecting how the Lord, your Heavenly Father, is actually your shepherd. And by the way, your mom and dad may need a little Psalm 23 sometime this week, and you'll be prepared to help them out. For the rest of us, let's keep talking about keeping it real in our relationship with God. Using the Psalms, like David who wrote many of them, and the other psalmists to keep it real. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us there is a season, there's a time for everything, every action, every feeling and emotion, you know, in life. There's a time for everything and a season for everything under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to laugh and a time to mourn, a time to build up, a time to tear down, a time to speak, and a time to be silent. Ecclesiastes reminds us there is a time for every action and every emotion. There's a season for every feeling and a psalm for everything that we can go through in our lives. For David, this Psalm 22, it was a season of incredible pain, even despair, and even for a, a deeply committed leader who was described as a man after God's own heart, he felt things deeply and he expressed his frustration when things were not going well. It's, it's amazing the wild swing of emotions in the Psalms. Let's just take three Psalms for an example. Psalm 21, Psalm 22 that we're looking at a little in more detail, and Psalm 23. In Psalm 21, they're all written by David, and in Psalm 21, he has such confidence, and he has such boldness before, before God. He says this, you've given me the desire of my heart. You've not withheld the request of my lips. You meet me with rich blessings, and you set a fine crown of gold on my head. And then he talks about the challenges and the enemies that he has, and he says, God, I know you will swallow them up. You'll destroy them. Them. You'll consume them. You'll put them to flight. It's almost like an NFL middle linebacker just firing up the defensive line. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of passion, that kind of confidence. Then we know Psalm 23, I mean, so incredibly full of assurance, of comfort, of the nth degree of peace. You lead me beside still waters. You made me lie down in green pastures. You restore my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no fear, for you're with me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Such confidence, such assurance, but right in the middle of these two Psalms is Psalms 22. Open your Bibles and let's take a look at it. 
I'll highlight a few things. You spend a little time in it, and you're going to see David working through as so many men and women of God in the past have, have dealt with their emotions. We start off by reading. Here's what David says, and we know that this was intimately connected with Jesus as he, he knew it well and shared it on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is King David, a man after God's own heart. Why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by, by day, but you don't answer. By night, I find no rest or peace. You're enthroned as the Holy One. You're the one Israel praises. They trusted in you to deliver them. To you, they cried out and they were saved. They trusted in you. They weren't put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. This is a child of God having a really bad day. Anybody relate? This was one of David's worst days. And it would be, for Jesus, the worst day of his life on earth as he quoted this psalm. You know, my life, I try to be uh, an optimistic, generally positive person and try to see a silver lining in things that happen. But there have been some times for me, as I'm sure for you, where I felt so low. I felt like God was a million miles away. I felt like people, you know, weren't helping me out. They kind of had abandoned me. I felt guilty about my sin. I felt like there, there, I was no way getting out of this pit. And, and I can relate to that. And yeah, I wish I'd kept it more real and spoke to God more like this instead of stuffing it, which is more my nature. But we all go through these times, and these psalms are here to help us if we're happy to rejoice, if, if we're drawing close to God, you know, to feel it in a refuge and a strength, you know. But when we're going through tough times, to be able to deal with that as well. This, um, you know, you, you can see now, if, if, if you've got your Bibles open and you're reading on ahead, David's dealing with this for about another 12 verses, and then he starts to turn a corner. And then by the end of the psalm, he's actually praising God. This is like the experience in many psalms, Psalm 73, one that many of you know, where you, you start out just seeing all of the people around you that don't seem to care that much about God or be nominally religious, and we're working hard, we're doing our best, but nothing seems to be going that right for us. But then you work through it when you spend some time with God. This, is, this, this isn't a very important thing. Now, I, I, G, Jesus did it in a very real way in the Garden of Gethsemane as he fought through his feelings and submitted to the will of God. I just want to ask you a question here or maybe pose something for you. If you have not experienced over the course of your life multiple times of Prayers like this, keeping it real like this, fighting through temptation, through disappointment, discouragement, then you've either not been paying attention or you've probably got a very real lack of depth in your relationship with God. It's something that needs to get addressed and fixed and worked on. And we've got time during this lockdown. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that and just truly keep it real with God. All the Psalms, they're not like Psalm 23. They're not like Psalms 100, coming to his presence with singing. They're, they're not even like Psalm 139 as you work through how you're fearfully and wonderfully, you know, made. Parents of, of, of kids, I want to say something here. Uh, for the next couple of minutes, uh, you may want to distract your, your, your child a little bit, uh, work with some of the stuff that Melissa's given us, or, uh, you know, 
give them a, few, a little break from the screen because it will, it'll be brief, but it will be real for about two minutes here. We need to talk about Jesus' experience with Psalm 22 and this crescendo of emotion and passion and what he felt when he, he was separated from God. And we heard from his lips something we never imagined we would ever hear from the only begotten Son of God. In Matthew 26, Jesus in the middle of three crosses, a cry goes out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It was the greatest cry of anguish and despair that human history has ever known. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why so far from me? I have no rest. I cry, but you do not answer. That was Jesus keeping it real. Good Friday, the cross. We know the, the physical torment and torture, but sometimes we don't spend enough time talking about the psychological, emotional pain and separation that Jesus experienced, the all-consuming darkness when the sin of the entire world was dumped, you know, on him. We know the weight of sin, don't we? We, we know when we're, we've done something really bad and we feel guilty and we've hurt other people, or we know what it's like when the darkness of the world, when we just see the underbelly of society and how evil and the abuse and the trafficking, and it's a heaviness that we feel ourselves. But that is only a tiny ounce of the weight of all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future. When the entire sin of the world was laid on Jesus Christ and it crushed him, when he see even God turning his face from him, nowhere to be seen. Second Corinthians 5 puts it like this in verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us. It crushed him so much all he could do was summon up a cry that his great-great-grandfather, great-great by a thousand years of greats, had cried out in a time of anguish in his life in this fulfillment of Psalm 22. And, and here's the utterly amazing piece of all of this, if you're scanning down through the psalm. Without his knowledge, David had written prophetically hundreds of years before the Romans took on the Persian practice of crucifixion. And what you see down below these verses is like an eyewitness blow-by-blow -blow account of what Jesus went through at the cross. Look at your Bibles, you know. Look beginning in verse, in verse 6. You know, an eyewitness account. I'm a worm and not, and not a man. All who see mocked me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trust in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. He says, I'm poured out like water. My heart is turned to wax. My mouth like a potsherd. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. They pierce my hands and my feet. People stare and gloat at me. They divide my clothes among them. They cast lots for my garment. Wow, is the Bible inspired? These words written a thousand years before the cross, but Jesus remained faithful. He stayed on that cross. God exalted him. The greatest miracle of all time, the one that saved the world and broke the pandemic of sin and separation from God. It's important to remember, you and I have more than just the DNA of Adam or our ancestors. We have the spiritual DNA of David and of Jesus. And we, like them, can be more than conquerors by keeping it real and holding on to the faith. Ultimately, Psalm 22 and many of the Psalms are heartfelt prayers, keeping it real with God 
I'm hoping we'll be able to do the same, particularly in these next, you know, two weeks as we join on the prayer chain, as we wrestle with the things we're wrestling with. If things are going great, rejoice. Read some great psalms. If you need comfort and assurance, it's there. If you're going through a tough time, there are many psalms, like Psalms 23, that you will be able to relate to. I believe we'll beat this plagued by prayer. I want you to believe it too. Not business as usual prayer. This pandemic is nothing like business as usual, but persistent widow prayer, friend knocking at midnight prayer, prayer like the people who came and cried out to Jesus, you know, for healing. We are Jesus's church. The kingdom of God is advancing. A pandemic won't stop it. A lockdown will not keep it from spreading. A recession or even a depression will not interrupt it. Old age will not surrender it. Generational differences will only refine it, not restrict it. Ill health, anxiety, suffering, hardship, and even death will not stop it. As we keep loving God, loving people, and changing the world, one day at a time, one prayer at a time, keeping it real. Let's pray for communion. Father, we're focusing on Jesus right now. Thank you for passing over our sins by nailing them to the cross. With this bread and juice, we remember in Jesus' name. Amen.